Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, the battle to stop hundreds of exotic trees being cut down on an Auckland maunga. We're hoping to stop this madness. Exotics aren't evil. They have a really crucial role to play in supporting birds and wildlife. I certainly didn't get the impression it was going to happen so drastically overnight. I'm going to be here every morning for as long as it takes and I'll be up here in the middle of the night if I have to be. I'm on Orwairaka, Mount Albert, to find out why the exotics can't stay, what it'll take to remove them, and why this is more than a stoush over trees. This is an opportunity to fix something that has been broken for a long time. Sean Freeman is an arborist and the chair of the Tree Council. He's so passionate about trees, he spends his spare time fighting to save them. But this time, he's on the other side. And I'm walking with him around Orwairaka to find out why. What are we looking at here? We've got some, some well, big trees. Well, right next to us is a, is a beautiful pariri. And then down below on along that fence line, those two, those two very rounded, smaller trees are nayo. They're natives. We can only see as we sit, we can only see Pahutakawa, but there's, as we walked up, you saw that, that um, small grove of eucalypts, which, which, of course, are exotics. Why get rid of eucalypts? In my experience with managing eucalypts for a very long time in Australia, I would say it would be, it would be a, a, a hard task to get effective restoration growth to establish a native woodland within the root, the root span of those trees. Even if you put to one side the fact that established trees are far more effective at mining the resources of the soil, moisture included, the size and scale of the, of the, of the volume of, of area that they occupy makes it difficult, not, again, not impossible, but it makes it difficult to, to effectively plan for a, for a future native woodland, you know, one that's going to be contiguous. You're going to have very large areas that, that are not possible to plant in until those trees are gone. And not just eucalypts, also on the list of 345 exotics, olive, monkey apple, cherry, banksia, tree privet, Norfolk pine and willow. The willow, Mm. it's a pretty tree, isn't it? It's visually quite attractive. Unfortunately, willows are a major problem, anywhere where you've got waterways. Why? What do they do? Well, they they spread prolifically through even a single fragment of of a twig. It's an environmental weed on the um, regional pest management plan. So you'd have no qualms about seeing that come down? No, not really. What are the, these are pine, old pine trees, That's aren't macrocarpa. they? Macrocarpa. And then along here, these are all on this lower ridge here. Those all eucalypts. Eucalypts, yeah. See, we're standing here under a the holm oak. Okay, is this this is an exotic? Yeah. And so this will go. Yeah. You can yeah, hear a lot of bird can. life. Yeah. We will let go. It's illegal to cut down a tree in which there is a nesting bird. And part of the resource consent conditions for these works on Awairaka and the other monga includes that stipulation that trees that have nesting birds in them will not be removed, will not be destroyed, whilst those birds are actively nesting in them. Um, So they'll have to go in there and and check every tree? Yes, I would have imagined that that would have been part of their first initial survey process Mm. and they would have had to have had council sign-off on that. Just like anyone who's who's planning to do that on their own property with a protected tree would would be required to. More than half the trees on the Monga are native and 
part of the ecological evidence presented to the planning hearing argued that there is enough native habitat to enable birds that are using these as roosts, not nesting, but using these as temporary roosts, places to rest. You know, the way in which you manage um, a tree removal operation of this scale is, is to include ecological considerations. So, you, you know, you, you remove things sequentially so that birds and other animals, native, native lizards, are able to move how do you do that? Can you explain to me? Because you must have done Well, you start on one edge. You start on one edge and, and move in a single direction so that you're not surrounding the habitat. So you start on one edge, you mean with the cutting? Yeah. And they just kind of move away because they hear the sound? And well, the... of course, the birds will move away. In, yeah. terms of, in terms of things like the lizards and skinks, there are specialist authorised handlers that, that would be involved in ensuring that the process of removing those trees um, provides an opportunity for those animals to to escape. Just using this place where we're standing as an example, you would create um, a layer of branches. So you wouldn't take those branches away and, and destroy them through a wood chipper. You would actually store them in a, in a location mm-hmm. so that any animals that were present on those branches had the opportunity to leave rather than you know being thrust through a wood chipper and being killed. And oh. you have people that, that are here to try and spot spot those animals. I mean, that's... That's what they're qualified to do. All Wairaka is one of 14 maunga in Tamaki Makoto managed by the Tupuna Maunga Authority. It's a joint council iwi body formed when the volcanic cones were returned to mana whenua in 2014. Here's the chair, Paul Majuri, talking about why the maunga are taonga. We all go to our places, there are rites and ceremonies that are undertaken, there are special places where events have taken place, where our ancestors have walked, died, married, and we remember those, we revere them, and really by this work we're doing we pay homage to them. The work they are doing is to heal and restore the maunga to the way they were before European settlement, and that means the exotics have to go. Helicopters and heavy machinery are set to be used to cut down trees, including eucalyptus and pine, as part of a plan to regenerate natives. The Tapuna Maunga Authority has Auckland Council's permission to fell the exotics and plant thousands of natives on the maunga. But residents say the mature exotics are home to nesting birds and should be allowed to stay until the natives are bigger. This was day one of the protest against the removal last week. About 50 Mount Albert residents have set up a protest at the bottom of Uweraka, Mount Albert Maunga, this morning. And things escalated later in the week. Around about 3.30, 4 o'clock this morning... Um, a number of vehicles started to appear and then leave. And then the next thing we knew, there was a police constable walking up the road with five gentlemen in high-vis vests. Obviously, you can imagine we were somewhat shocked by this activity. And, and I guess you can't have been that shocked because if they promised that you'd have a meeting on Thursday night you wouldn't have been still there stopping the trees being chopped down, if you see what I mean. Um, No, it it is our intention to remain here until there is a resolution. So far, there's no resolution and the standoff is now in its second week. But two conservation heavyweights, Forest and Bird and the Tree Council, are backing their removal. Sean Freeman again. It may be that because of some missteps, some failed failed communications, that 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 opportunity's been lost here at Awaraka, but... 
the plan across the city is an, is an opportunity to heal something that has to be healed. The authority is the, is the right body to be managing the Monga, and what they want to achieve, what they desire to achieve, is the right future for our city. For us, for the Tree Council, just like any other application to alter or destroy trees, protected trees in the city, it, it was a question of carefully assessing the arguments, the justifications for the works proposed. I mean, that's what we do, whether it's a single tree in a residential property, or whether it's a subdivision, or in this instance, a, a large number of trees from what, what is a public reserve, effectively, and has always been considered to be. Why can't these trees exist along with the natives? Well, I mean, from an ecological perspective, of course, there is, there is an argument. There are ecologists who consider that it's appropriate to retain um, larger trees when you're, when you're revegetating or restoring um, vegetation to a site. Um, equally, there are ecologists who consider situations where you have groves, like that one we just walked through, where you have large established trees, the extent of their, their root growth and the way in which they scavenge resources from the soil, moisture and soil nutrients, makes it very difficult for plants to effectively establish themselves. Can you understand what the protesters are upset about, though? Yes, that absolutely. The, one of their arguments is that the plan is to come in and get rid of these trees all at once, mm. to cut them down, and people struggle with that. Why can't it be done bit by bit? Is that a cost I think cost is a, is a big part of it. Practicality is another big part of it. Further up the Monga, we, we have areas that are going to require quite complicated tree removal operations involving helicopters and I'm not sure how practical it is to consider that you would do that in a phased manner. Logistically it, it, it is a very complicated process. But there's another reason. Mr Majuri says cutting down the exotic trees all at once will leave a lighter footprint. The ferry and the lane program is only going to increase the potential for effects. So again uh, that's been the subject of um, assessment in terms of expert reports, uh, decision by the council in terms of appropriate conditions, uh, and the upshot of that is we have a resource concern and a program which repeats the experience we've had on other moments, which has gone very successfully. Do you think the protesters also have a point when they say that they didn't know anything about this? Despite the public consultation, Eden Albert local board member Rachel Langton says she only became aware of plans to fell the exotics all at once two weeks ago. I thought it was going to be a long-term transitional process, protecting the birds and the trees and the monga. Has it been well communicated? It's not surprising at all to me or to anyone else who's involved in planning hearings to hear people say, I didn't know this was going to happen, why haven't I had a chance to have a say? No matter how many public notices, notices Auckland Council place in the paper, on the internet, you're never going to capture the attention of all of the people in an area where impacts, negative impacts on the environment are going to occur as a result of an application, a resource consent application. So you're saying no matter what kind of communication they did... It was... Well, I mean, sure, you, you know, I'm not saying it's totally impractical to contact every single resident in Auckland. It, it, it can A be leaflet done. drop, for yeah, example? Yeah, it can be done. It can be done. Um, that's, that's not currently how the planning scheme operates. 
um, I would, and the Tree Council would certainly be wholly in favour of, of that being taken on, you know. We are mightily um, unhappy when we attend hearings to find ourselves to be the only submitters on matters that we consider to be quite important about the environment of the city. Did the Tree Council have any qualms at all about supporting the Tupuna Maunga on this plan at all? We spent an, an awful lot of time poring over what they were proposing and how they were proposing to do it and their justification for what they were proposing. And I guess for, for us, for me personally and for the rest of the board on the Tree Council, the clincher in terms of this project, not just Owaraki, but across the 14 Monga, is to re-establish that relationship between Tangata Whenua and these sacred places. That needs to be fixed. You know, that is part of the treaty settlement, and we have to honour that. It's, it's at the core of what makes New Zealand different to the other places I've lived in the world. I, I spend all my time, all my spare time, when I'm not working, fighting for trees in this city. You know, whether they're individual trees or, or, or groups of trees in parks, road, roadside trees. So, of course it's difficult and it's painful. But if we're to manage the urban forest in a modern city, you have to take a rational and logical approach to the way in which you weigh up decisions about what you're going to do and what you're going to say is fine and what you're going to say is not fine. I have the utmost respect for the passion that, that people demonstrate when they put themselves in jeopardy by, by breaking the law. You know, That's not something that the Tree Council does. We, we stay within the law always. But we're constantly supporting individuals and groups who have found you know, it one step too far and that they've decided that they, they're prepared to place themselves on the line. So, you know, I have no, no massive negativity towards the protesters at all. But you don't support them? No, no. We stand with the iwi. Mm. And, you know, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed or, or unhappy about that. It's obviously important to the iwi as well, isn't it, that groups like you and Forest and Bird yeah. support them? Yes, I, yes. Yes, it is. And there is an opportunity through what's planned to, to make an immense difference to the environment in this city. And we, the Tree Council really hopes that the, the Tupunamonga Authority has the capability to fulfil the, the plans that they've put forward because the impact in, in, in 50 years on this city will be absolutely immense. It'll be huge. In what way? To have beacons of a natural ecosystem located within high-density residential areas where you can, you know, if, if this plan goes to fruition, where you can bring in fauna that, that are not present in this city and you know it's difficult to see how they will ever be present in this city but just like a peninsula these sacred monga provide a geographical a topographical opportunity to to create refugia for for those for those animals and plants and that's 
in, in my experience, that's that's incredibly unique opportunity. This manga, um, you know, if you look around, we're sort of sitting in the grass and some yeah. long grass yeah. on the on the edge, and it certainly, you know, you can, I can see native bush in front of us, but there's a lot of grassy um, slopes. So, yeah. w- what would it look like under the Tupuna Manga plan? The tiki, which is the summit area of the manga, will be predominantly clear of large vegetation, so trees and shrubs, and will be grassed. One of the keystone elements of healing the manga is to re-establish the visual connection between manga across the city, the clear tihi from one manga to another. Could this have been handled in a better way? Hmm. I mean, (laughs) hindsight's always wonderful. It's very difficult for any management authority to know with any certainty if it has communicated effectively. And the lack of response is often taken as acquiescence, mm. where, as clearly this is not the case, it's merely the fact that people aren't aware. Um, I mean, you mentioned a letter drop informing people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not the way the planning scheme works. Would it have been sensible for the authority to try and ensure that that local people were were communicated with. I think that they certainly tried with their public hui that they ran following the hearing approval in 2016. But clearly, you know, that wasn't effective either in in communicating. That's another thing that a lot of the manga were turned into was water reservoirs. It would have been a really important um, water storage site for this portion of Auckland. You can just see how much is, how much excavation was required. Here's Paul Majuri in 2015 telling RNZ's David Steamson about its history. Each has their own uh, histories in terms of the tribes that were here, the uh, events that took place, battles, marriages, cultivation areas, and then you have um, more modern contact history in terms of what's gone on, the military uh, involvement, uh, the use of some of these places, unfortunately, for quarrying. Um, South Auckland particularly, uh, a poor record in terms of the integrity of those tupunamonga uh, for use of quarrying. We also have in modern times the infrastructure that goes with these places. We know that uh, in terms of uh, water storage reservoirs and water articulation, uh, because of gravity, these revered places have also been used for that. So what's your hope then for 25 years from now? 25 your years. grandchildren. My, my hope is that they live in a tamaki makoto um, that is physically um, and in its core essence a place representing its Māori significance. It's, it's what differentiates us in the world. That's the tamaki that they live in, and these places will be an important ingredient in that profile and that difference around the world. Uh, we may have a World Heritage uh, listing by then for these places. Um, they will look very different. They'll be respected. People will come to these places um, knowing that they're revered, revered, they have a history, they look special, they feel special, they are special, and that's how people interact with them. That's Paul Majuri sharing his dream that maybe one day the Maunga will have World Heritage status. The Tupuna Maunga Authority makes it clear that the trees on Orwairaka will come down. Protesters say the occupation will continue until they get binding assurances that the 345 trees will be safe. Sean Freeman says it's not the end of the fight. Do you think that there 
will be more protests. Yes, I do. I do think, you? I think that both Mount Eden and One Tree Hill, I think, will generate a huge amount of, um, of public interest, shall we say, well, you know, how that expresses itself. Did Tree Council get any stick for its stance on oh, this? Oh, what are people saying? I mean, you know, social media is, is the way it is. And pe- people are incredibly bold and, and, and brash and offensive on, on social media. They don't like the fact that you are supporting. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, yeah, that's the crux of it. Um, I would I would say, on balance, we've probably received as much support as we have um, detractors. But you know, the level of, of unpleasant language and you know ridiculous, I mean, absurd accusations um, that don't even warrant mention. Uh, it's just the nature of of how people behave on on social media. Did you expect that? Yes. If you're involved in in planning decisions, obviously not making planning decisions, but you're involved in the hearings, um, you get to occasionally, unfortunately, you get to, to, to see the worst of people. And and I've certainly seen that prior to this. Sadly for, for Kiwis, they rank no better than, than Australians when it comes to how they can behave badly and the ridiculous things that they'll say. And I think that, that, that some people need, need to, you know, some individuals need to think very carefully about what, what it is that they're projecting when they, when they say certain things about the authority and about their management plan and about their treaty settlement because this, that's exactly what I was talking about before. That's what we need to heal here, you know. And New Zealand has a great advantage over Australia. You have, you have the treaty settlements... You should be incredibly proud of that. That should be something that you, you know, put up on, on a pedestal and defend because that kind of, of justice is, is not common. That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Sean Freeman from the Tree Council. Kakite anō. Ka